Thank you so much for being here. And I, on behalf of my father and the family, I want to thank each of you for being here. And many of you in the back, I don't know. Um, but I want to thank you for the ministry that you have through this church, um, your pastor, um, to my mother-in-law, and to their family. So thank you very much. It's very much appreciated. Uh, we don't come today to celebrate their, or revere rather the memory of somebody. Uh, we come to celebrate the, the presence and the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ in and through the life of Alma Castle. So we do not grieve without the, with those who don't have any hope. Uh, we know that Al is with the Lord Jesus Christ today. And so it's right for us to remember, it's right for us to grieve, it's right for us to feel the, the gamut of emotions. But we're also grateful that Al is in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the ultimate hope that we have. So let's go ahead and begin our time in prayer. Father in heaven, we don't grieve as those without hope. But yet certainly our grief is real. We pray now, we do, and thank you that we can come to your throne of grace and receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We pray for Linda and the family especially, that your grace would overflow. God, that your spirit would minister as only he can. So we pray for the remaining time of this day that Lord Jesus Christ, you would be exalted, that we would make much of Jesus as we celebrate the life of Alma Castle. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
what a wonderful life. Please rise as we sing Sweet By and By. You'll find the text in the separate page with your worship guide. says this, What shall I render the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? I shall lift up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I shall pay my vows to the Lord. Oh, may it be in the presence of his people. And in this verse, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly. You know, I would imagine there would be any of us in this room who would not agree that Al McCaskill was one of the godly ones. He lived it, and we saw it. I'm right about that, correct? Right. Um, you know, Al treated me like royalty. He only knew me a short time, but he was incredibly respectful, incredibly supportive. I knew Al loved me. Um, and, and when I think of Al, three things come to mind. The first thing is that smile. I mean, did you see those pictures? I mean, you remember looking at him in person? I mean, uh, you couldn't see him without that amazing smile, and then you not smile back. You had to. 
Uh, it was infectious. And, you know, I, I believe that that smile was born out of joy. And that joy came because Jesus was so real in Al's life. And, and no doubt that almost all the time, that smile turned into a laugh. Uh, and just like with his smile, his laugh was infectious as well. I, I like to say it this way, Al's love for Jesus oozed out of his face and everybody saw it. But I also know another thing about that, about Al, and that's this, he loved the Bible. Um, I, don't, I can't tell you how many times that I saw Al weeping as he read the Bible publicly. I saw it almost every time he read it. The truth of God's word hit Al deeply. It changed his life when he was 15 years old. And quite frankly, the word of God never stopped changing his life. And he desired that for others. Al wanted other people to love the Bible, to love the word of God, just like he did. Uh, there was hardly a, a time at our Wednesday night Bible study that something would be said or maybe something that would be read reminded Al of another scripture. So I could see him over at that table digging through that Bible. You, you know what I mean, right? And Al would find a passage that it reminded him of and he would read it to us. Now, there's a lot of times that Linda had to keep him on track. Um, but Al loved that Bible. And then I finally, I think of Al's love for people. Um, there's no question that Al took the great commandment seriously. Love God, love others. He did. He took it very seriously, unquestionably. Um, Al loved God, but his love for God caused him to love people. He had, a, he had as true a pastor's heart as any man I've ever run across. You know, he loved to talk to people. And, and he loved engaging people in conversation. That uh, He made people feel good when they were around him. And the reason is he loved God and his love for God drove him to love people. And his love for people had one great desire, that those people come to faith in Jesus. You couldn't know Al without knowing that. And you know, frankly, at a time like this, is there anything else that matters uh, except knowing who Jesus is? And once those folks came to faith in Jesus, they, they uh, Al wanted them to grow in their faith. Nothing was more important to Al than that. And that came out of his life. Uh, it was his heartbeat. The proof is in the songs we're singing today. Uh, but I got, I got another proof of his love for people. Just this week, I got a text from a 20-something couple that are really new to our church. And the, the wife expressed to me, uh, her sadness at Al's passing and, and said this. She said, every week Al would come back a beeline for us and talk to us and tell us stories and made us feel like we belong. Uh, Al loved people. 2 Timothy 4, 6 and 8 says this. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I have kept the faith. There in, in the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will reward to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That phrase, I fought the good fight, I finished the course, I have kept the faith. 
With absolutely no hesitation or reservation, I gladly say, Al, you did it. You fought the fight. You kept the faith. You finished the course. Job well done, good and faithful servant. You know, I think there's everything right with what we've been reminded of already today, and that is we're not here to deify Al, but we are here to honor him. And the best way we can honor him is to follow his example. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we truly are grateful for the life of Al. God, all of us who knew him, even if it was only for a couple of years, grew to love him deeply. God, we knew we were loved and we loved Al back. And we thank you for his life. We thank you for his legacy. We thank you that he gave us something that we could tangibly see and live our lives by. God, may we follow that legacy. May we live that example. God, we know that the grief is real and even magnified on this day. Uh, we know the hurt is there. We know there's a hole in the hearts of this family. What we also know is that Al made it home. And that's our hope. And that's our confidence. And that's our peace. God, would you continue to minister to this family with comfort and hope and peace like only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. ourselves coming together because of our father Al the castle, grandfather, great-grandfather. Some of us have shared a lot of time with him and some very little. At times we feel we were still trying to find some lost time with him. Yet we find that we grieve for ourselves now because that time to share with him has come to an end in this life. Our dad was a man who loved us, a man who loved God and desired for others to know God for themselves. So even until his last days in the hospital, he continued to share about Jesus' love and personal relationship with him so that God could use whatever words to bring glory and revelation of his love in the lives of those around him. We know our dad was not perfect, none of us are, but we know he loved us all and prayed for us faithfully as his wall of pictures reminded him by faith to pray for us, to keep us close to his heart even though we were far away. The times each of us had to share in his life closely may have brought us much joy. The times we felt far away 
also brought out sadness, or sadness, or longing to be known more than just his children, grandchildren, or great-grandchildren. Just as we wanted to be loved by our dad, our Heavenly Father, also wanted our love and devotion to him. So even with dad's flaws, he continued to share his love of Jesus and the Father, and I hope that will continue in us to help foster that love of our Heavenly Father, since our Heavenly Father is no longer with us. My memories of my dad in the Philippines for me, were few, many were shared in experiences through relatives or family's pictures, the times when our family was reunited in America, with some pain and hurt that I know we've all experienced to varying degrees, different ages and stages of our life. But at the end of his life, I have come to realize that love Forgiveness and grace is what is needed to invest in each other and the lives of our children to help them and to remind us all to know that it is because of his faithfulness to us through his son Jesus that the work of the Holy Spirit will enable us to bear that fruit of loving God first and loving each other. Some other favorite memories I had Dad gave me a birthday gift with all the favorite hymns. All, I forget how many there are, eight of them. And he signed each one personally. Being able to bring my children to see Dad and Linda. But they grew up too quickly. Too much time has passed. Going to the Philippines with Dad and Linda and Syl and my sister Janice and their two daughters to see family on both sides, that was very special. And taking pictures with Dad's living siblings at the time and seeing him hug his mother's bed after so many years apart. That was a special picture on the side. Dad came to New York to hear Nancy sing at Carnegie Hall with Linda and Syl. And I remember we gathered around the front steps outside our house and we asked Dad to pray. We love to hear pray. So as we gathered around, I remember videotaping, I've got to find him. And we'd love to hear him pray over us and for us and for our families. Another special memory was when Dad and Linda came up to UC Davis to watch Yankee play volleyball with these with the Air Force Academy. My dad coming, Dad and Linda coming to see Christina play gymnastics down in San Diego. And the last family gathering was in 2017 in San Diego. That my mom put together, but Nancy said, we gotta have Dad come. We were able to take some pictures of this moment. The Zoom connections that we've had, the 
was a really special and I hope you get to see some of the saved ones that Nancy put together for us. Dad, I love you. I thank you for loving me, praying for me and all of us in that wall of prayer. Although we did not get to celebrate your 90th birthday, we celebrate God's faithfulness to all of us. And as I come to the close of these memories of my dad, I'm reminded now that he's without pain, without the sinful battle of humanity in the presence of his sin. Our Savior, those who trust the finished work of Jesus, I know God would want to see us all in heaven with him, and we know it is only through Jesus' completed work on the cross. He is in heaven now, able to see his parents again, his youngest daughter, and now his son, we were so blessed to know that God, by, by God's grace and mercy, is still redeeming the brokenness of this life by His faithfulness. May we continue to love in the grace of God so we can impact others to the point of showing God's faithfulness. We would learn to love Jesus as much as our dad in our final days. Love you all.
sweet memories. I want to remember hearing your voice that November 14, 1981 at Kaiser when my firstborn came into the world and learning of the loss of my sibling. A bittersweet memory. Years later, I continue to thank you, Dad, for opening your home for my daughters so the system could not separate them. Giving them a bit of childhood growing up with their uncles and Aunt Sylvia. For sharing meals and concerns of not going hungry. Thank you for officiating marriages and walking me, walking me down the aisle at the Crystal Cathedral. Thank you for being proud of my passing a truck driver exam and accepting my denial of personal health issues. Teaching me that God has a purpose for all things under the heaven. Thank you, Dad, for recanting the story of my birth and your delight and remembrance. Now here we are at the end of your story as life continues under the heavens and the assurance I have in knowing we will meet again in the new heavens of eternal life because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins and rose a new body in mortal. Blessed be the time that binds our hearts. And I end with my life verse, Philippians 1.21. For to live is for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Thank you, Dad. Please rise again as we sing victory in Jesus. <laughs> Thank you. 
No, why? Because we are grand. And then you'd laugh that sweet, boisterous laugh of yours. The laugh that was home for me. The laugh that was so contagious, it was our whole relationship. It got to the point where I'd look at you and we'd just laugh together. Sharing a laugh with you was like medicine for my soul. I felt whole again. I'd feel like myself again. I was blessed enough to grow up with your extreme generosity, care, and love. I couldn't be more thankful God chose you to be my grandpa. You raised us, taught us, fed us, provided for us, and so on. Most importantly, you always prayed for us and made sure we were protected by God. I remember the many memories with you as I catch myself staring off into the nothingness. I can't help but to feel a piece of my heart has gone with you. Visiting you, my heart would feel so warm again to see your smile, hear your laugh, and just talk about life. My whole life, you never changed. You've always looked the same, loved the same, dressed the same. It's painfully hard for me to accept you are gone because you've always been filled with so much life and energy. At this moment, all I can say is thank you. Thank you for being the greatest soul in my life and many others. The light and the glue, one out of one, no one is like you. For now, I'll continue to replay our countless memories together since you are finally with God. Please ask God to take extra care of you and dad i'm trying to stay strong i hope you are singing and dancing in heaven in fact i know you are please keep visiting me in my dreams my beautiful grandpa how i love you so cheating. I hope you don't think this is cheating. The, the book was 104 sermon outlines. <laughs> Two sermons for every Sunday of the year. I, I didn't know at the time. I still don't know if that was a commentary on my preaching. Or I, I, don't what, I don't know what it was. But as I, I thumbed through the book, I, I, I set the book aside and picked it up the day he died. 
I thumbed through the book and I saw that he had underlined some things. Now I hear he was famous for underlining and everything in the book. Well, he had not underlined everything in this book, but he had underlined some things in one of the sermons titled The Most Loved Text on Heaven. And the passage was from John chapter 14. I'm not going to preach that outline, but I am going to speak from the scripture in John chapter 14. I feel like this is sort of Brother Al choosing the text for us today. If you have a Bible, you can turn there to John chapter 14. Let me remind you of some things you already know. We are gathered here today to mourn over our loss. Over our loss, Brother Al. We, we do celebrate his life, but for everything that we celebrate about Brother Al's life, that's a reason to mourn for our loss. So we're here to mourn and, and everyone here today, everyone joining via the internet, we, we come today with exceeding heavy hearts, hurting. We mourn. Some people think we shouldn't mourn. Some people say Christians should should always be happy and smiles and but there's a time to mourn. Mourning is a good thing. It's a biblical thing. It's a Christian thing for us to do to mourn over the death of a loved one. The Bible tells us, though, and you've already heard this today, that Christians don't mourn like everyone else. We don't mourn like those who have no hope. So Christians, we mourn, but we mourn with great hope in Jesus Christ. In John's gospel, Jesus had told his disciples that he would go to Jerusalem, that he would suffer there, and that he would die there. It was hard for them to hear, to, to hear this news that Jesus would die. Of course, this would caused the disciples great distress. They would be troubled in their hearts by this news. Troubled greatly. I wonder if after Jesus died on Calvary, if the disciples went back in their minds to the day that he spoke these words in John chapter 14. This text was spoken to them before his death for his death. And this text is so loving because it was Jesus preparing them for the heart hurt that they would feel later. He gave them a foundation. He gave them an assurance that would hold them up on the day that he died. And in a day like today, we can enter into the distress of the disciples. We can enter into their troubled hearts. It's not exactly the same. They losing their teacher. They're losing Jesus to death, they thought, and it, and it felt so final. They didn't know. But today we can enter into their distress as we mourn the loss of husband father, pastor, a 
and a friend. I'll read the first six verses of John chapter 14. But first, let's bow together and ask God's blessing. Trying God of heaven, we ask that your blessing on us now. As we gather here to worship you, our hearts are heavy and, and we ask that by your spirit you would work, especially today, to comfort us. Help us in our time of grief. Help us to mourn, but help us to mourn as believers in Christ Jesus who have hope. I pray that you would speak today through your word, that you would accomplish your purpose and your plan. Bring comfort and hope to your people. God, that one who is here, who does not know your salvation, maybe, maybe everyone here knows about your salvation, but the one who is here, who does not know your salvation experientially, God, we pray that you would bring to their mind the certainty of their own death. Press on their hearts the weight of eternity. That even through our tear-filled eyes, we pray, Lord, that you would draw them to Jesus Christ. Take away that heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh, a heart that longs for you. We ask now that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive your word by faith. It is in Christ Jesus' precious name that we ask these things. Amen. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. This is the word of God. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know not the way. I'm sorry. And whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. This text begins with these words. Let not your heart be troubled. This is an instruction. It's a command. And it's an encouragement. It was an encouragement to them. And it serves the same purpose for each of us today. Let not your heart be troubled. Jesus is saying, don't despair. Mourn, but don't despair. That there is reason today for your countenance to be lifted up. Let not your heart be troubled. Even with the vision of Eyes blurred with tears. We can have the peace of God that passes all understanding to guard our hearts and our minds. For some of us, it's, it seems, especially today, that that may be impossible. How, how can we not let our hearts be troubled? How, how can we prevent this? How do we obey this exhortation from Jesus don't let your hearts be troubled. Is this just an empty statement? 
that means nothing? Is, is there no grounding and no reasoning? Does, does Jesus just give this hopeless thing? Now Jesus lays the foundation in the words that follow. Foundation for our hope to rest upon. We have the words of the Savior as the basis for this exhortation that we not let our hearts be troubled. This was for the disciples that day and this is for us today. And we find in this text three comforts for a grieving heart. Three comforts for a grieving heart. They were good for the disciples when Jesus spoke those words to them and they're good for us today. The first comfort that we find in this text for a grieving heart is found in verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. This is an important statement. Jesus is not saying you believe in God separately and as another thing, but, but, but separately believe in me as well. This is a statement where Jesus is making a claim to deity. You believe in God. Now in the same way that you have faith in the God of Scripture, God the Father, in that same way have faith in me. This is not a secondary faith. This is not a subordinate kind of belief. Jesus is God. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, is very and eternal God. The brightness of the Father's glory, the same substance and equal to the Father and the Spirit. He upholds and governs all things that he has made. Jesus is God. You believe in God. Believe also in me, Jesus says. And this is a comfort for us. Our hope, our Savior, our Redeemer, this Jesus that we speak of is not a mere man who can fail. Even if Jesus were merely the best man, that's not good enough for our hope to rest in. Jesus is not a mere man. He is not creaturely, and he does not, he is not a creature, and does not have creaturely weaknesses. For all who believe in Jesus, he, the God-man, has obtained eternal redemption. Now he makes intercession for us. He unites us to himself by the Holy Spirit. And we are persuaded by Christ's Spirit to believe in Him and to obey Christ Jesus as He governs our hearts by His Word and His Spirit. Christ Jesus, as our King, overcomes, conquers all His and our enemies. He is no mere man. This gives us hope. And some people think when we speak of Christ conquering our enemies, some people think that death is the greatest enemy of man. Death, death is not our greatest enemy. 
We've already heard preachers say and, and, and quote from the Bible, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. Death is not our enemy, believers. Death is precious. Blessed is the man who dies in the Lord. Death is not the greatest enemy, but Jesus did overcome. And, and this is why death is not our greatest enemy. Jesus did overcome the, the grave. He overcame death and the grave by his death and resurrection. The man's greatest enemy. Man's greatest enemy is the lostness that comes because of sin. The lostness that we inherit from Adam and then we double down on every time we sin. Spiritual separation from God and Jesus conquered this enemy by his life and his death and his resurrection so that every believer can stand and sing with confidence. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Jesus is no mere man. No mere man could do these things. No creature could redeem lost men and women. We have hope in Jesus Christ because he is the God-man. He is Emmanuel, God with us. So this first comfort we find in this text is you believe in God, believe also in Jesus Christ. The second comfort that we find for our grieving hearts found in this text is in verse 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If you're following along your Bible, it may say many dwellings, many houses, many places. Dwellings is the word there. In my Father's house, the old King James says, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And this is a comfort for us. Jesus tells us that there are many mansions, many dwelling places in heaven. The details of heaven given in scripture are there to comfort us. The descriptions are meant to, to, to make us understand that heaven is beyond what we can fathom. It presses the limits of human language for us to speak about heaven, stretching beyond what we can conceive. Gates of pearl, streets paved with gold, soothing walls of jasper built by God's own hand. This place is not just the best place. I don't know if I could have said it any better. This is not just a good place. It's the best place. This is not just the best place that we can imagine. It's better than that. This is a place that is beyond our best thoughts. But here Jesus' words give us more than just a thought about a great place. There are many mansions, but I go to prepare a place. This is a prepared place. Heaven is a prepared place. It's not just a remodel. Well, we're happy we move into a house that's been done over, right? Heaven's not like that. This is a place prepared for us. It's not retrofitted, it's prepared. The one who made us 
and knows us better than we know ourselves, he prepared the place. Better than Chip and Joe. He's prepared the place. I can't tell you what to expect. I mean, we can read what the scripture says, but, but how do we imagine a place? Not just a perfect place, but a place that is perfect for us. It's not only a prepared place. He says, I prepared a place for you. A place that will, a place that will have every need met. A place where every longing of our heart will be fulfilled. We know what it's like to be out of place. But do we know what it's like to be in a place prepared perfectly and especially for us by the Creator? Our grieving hearts are comforted because we believe in God and we believe also in the Lord Jesus Christ. And our grieving hearts are comforted because he has gone to prepare a place for you. And then thirdly, our grieving hearts are comforted in verse 3. If I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Words are funny, and this first word is funny. If I go, it's to be understood since I am going to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. So we need to understand this place, that he has gone this place, that he has prepared And we're told about it so that we will think about the place. The Bible tells us about heaven and we should think about heaven. But too many times we get caught up in the place. And this last thing is going to show us it's not really about the place. But, but we get caught up in the place. We think about those gates of pearl, those streets of gold, and, and we sing songs about the land. We sing songs about the city of gold. We sing songs that say no darkness, no sickness, no death, no tears. Those things are all true. But if that's what we look forward to, I can't wait to get to heaven where the streets are gold and the gates are pearl and no more sickness. If that's what we look forward to, we're missing the point. We're missing the main thing. Jesus said, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, you can be also. The main thing about heaven is that Jesus is there. We long to see our loved ones. What a day that'll be. But Christians, how long will it be when we get enough of being with Jesus that we look at anybody else? How long is that? How long is that? The main thing about heaven is that Jesus is there. Some people want all the trappings of heaven. They want the gates of pearl, the streets of gold. They want no more sickness, no more tears, no more death. And they don't want Jesus there. But that is not the heart of a Christian. 
All those things fade into insignificance compared to the presence of the risen and ascended Christ. Allow me to make this point with the words of an old song that I grew up with. I've heard of a land that is wondrous and fair. They say that its splendor is far beyond compare. In that place that's called heaven, my soul longs to be. Where Jesus is, it will be heaven for me. If the walls were not jasper, if the streets were not gold, I'd still see everything that I'm longing to see. For where Jesus is, it will be heaven for me. All its beauty and wonder, I'm longing to see. Where Jesus is, it will be heaven for me. This is a great comfort that he will come again and receive us to himself that where he is, we may be also. Our grieving hearts are comforted because we believe in God and we believe also in our Lord Jesus Christ. Our grieving hearts are comforted because he has gone to prepare a place for us. And our grieving hearts are comforted because he is coming again to take us to be where he is. These three comforts that we have, these three comforts for our grieving hearts from this text are important. But I don't want to leave this text without looking at these last two verses where Thomas responds. Thomas, we know, is doubting Thomas, right? Thomas gets a hard time. I think we ought to give Thomas a break. Thomas, Thomas gets it with the doubting Thomas. I, I love Thomas because I love the honesty, just the raw truth. Jesus, I kind of want to say, I don't know what you just said. Jesus, I, I, I am confused here. He, he wasn't worried about looking like he was understanding. Jesus, we don't know where you're going. How can we know? You just get this honest. And this demonstrates the fact that, that Thomas and the rest of the disciples didn't truly understand what Jesus was talking about a lot of times. They just didn't truly understand. They didn't have the New Testament to look at things like we had. They would come to an understanding later. But here, before Jesus' crucifixion, they just really didn't get what was about to happen. But Jesus doesn't get lost in Thomas's lack of understanding. He, he answers the question better, better than anything. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. It's as though Jesus is saying, Thomas... You may not be grasping all the details. You may not really know what I'm talking about, but I'm going away and I'm going to come back and get you. I am the way. I am the way. There are many things in the Bible that we may not understand. And, and I think we should, as Christians, seek to understand things. The Bible instructs us that we should study, that we should learn. But the bottom line is this, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through Him. No other religious system, no amount of good living, good deeds, good works, no silver or gold can buy your way 
to the presence of a holy God. The world tells us any religion will do. All roads lead to heaven. The world even tells us no religion will do. Friend, I hope you haven't, I hope you haven't followed that lie. Without Jesus Christ, you will not go to heaven. Without Jesus Christ, you will not see the Father. There is a place prepared for the devil and his angels. And those who die without Jesus Christ will go to that place of torment. The Bible is very clear about this. Death is sure. Hell is real. But heaven is a place prepared for everyone believes in Jesus Christ saving you. And Jesus is the only way to the Father. I hope this truth comforts you. It, it should. It, it should comfort us when we think about Brother Al's passing. The main thing that we all know and the thing that makes it easy for a preacher to stand here and preach a funeral in Alfredo McCaskill we are comforted because Brother Al knew the Lord Jesus Christ. He loved Jesus. I never had a conversation with Brother Al that didn't mostly center around Jesus. I mean, if, if there was anything else that was just temporary and momentary until we got to Jesus. We talked about Jesus and we talked about the great salvation that we have in Him by grace through faith. We're comforted by that and we're comforted because Brother Al is in that prepared place. No more sickness, no more pain, no more death. The sting of death has no victory over him because he believed in Jesus Christ for salvation. We prayed for Brother Al to be healed. He believed that he would be healed. Phil reminded me he was healed. Perfect. Perfectly. It might not have been what we had in mind, but God gave this dear saint full and complete and eternal healing. Al McCastle knows more certainly than any of us today, more, more truly than any of us today, that there are many mansions in heaven and that Jesus has prepared the place and his place was complete and brother Al's eternal soul is with the one who he loved so dearly brother Al wouldn't come back here for anything and we who love him wouldn't want him to come back here to this to this place but brother Al did want you to join him I feel like I'm telling you something you already know because he told you that. He wanted you to join him where he is today. So many times this man shed tears speaking about his family, speaking about a son or a daughter, speaking about a grandchild, some family, some loved one. He loved you. He wanted you to know Jesus. You who are not in Christ. Brother Al's heart was broken for your soul. His heart ached for you. 
Brother Al wept and he prayed for me. For some here, you know the comfort of the Holy Spirit. You can take encouragement from these words of Jesus. Let not your hearts be troubled. You'll grieve and you should grieve, but you will not grieve like those who have no hope. Hope for Brother Al and hope that we will worship with him around the throne. For some of you, you are not comforted. For some of you, you're convicted. You know that if you died today, you would not be in heaven with Jesus. Friend, please don't let that go from you. I mean, this service is going to be over. You may think it'll never be over, but it will be. And you'll drive away. And life will start again. Your life may be crowded out. Don't let this go away from you. This conviction that you are lost and in need of a Savior. Please do not resist the Holy Spirit's prompting you. Harden not your heart. Today, friend, lay down your sinful pride and run to Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And he is the only way to be right with God. He's the Savior of all who will believe on him, who will receive him by faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would impress on our hearts and minds your word. Comfort us. God, I pray for Ms. Linda. I pray for her in the coming days that your Holy Spirit will be with her and comfort her in a way that she has never known. I pray for each and every son and daughter, grandson, granddaughter. I pray, Lord, that you would comfort and encourage those who have believed in Jesus Christ and those who have not, that you would convict them of sin, that you would draw them to Jesus Christ, to the love that you had to send your son to Calvary. We thank you for what you have done through Alfredo and Cassidy. We thank you for the work that you accomplished through him. Let him be a let him be an example to us. A surrendered life. In Jesus' name we pray these things. <laughs>
truly want to thank all of you for coming and honoring Al. And I just want to let you know that for Pastor Billy and all those at Roswell's Meadows Baptist Church, we love you all. And Pastor Todd and everyone at the Lego family, we love you all. He loved being here. And uh, pardon me if I forget what I wanted to say. I was going to write it out last night, but then I got the call when my son died, so I wasn't able to do that. But I want you to know that uh, my son Phil, my daughter Sylvia, my son Steve all lived in the area. They were here before we came. We moved here. Um, to be with Steve because of his medical conditions in the past and to be with the little grandchildren. And ever since, well, they attended different churches and the one prayer that my husband had for the last almost three years is that we could all worship together. And so he prayed and prayed and prayed and God answered him. A few months ago, we were sitting in Sunday school here he saw Steve walk in the door with Sherry, and he just got up and went to him and hugged him and cried. The next week, Sylvia and her family came, and it just made him so happy because God answered his prayers. Um, also, as we said, I think by one of the grandchildren, that when um, Al was in the hospital, he witnessed up until the time he couldn't speak anymore to the doctors, to the nurses, to the housekeeping. They'd come in the room and they'd, he'd say, do you know Jesus? Are you a Christian? And he would just talk to them. Thank God many of them were, but some of them probably weren't. So just planting a seed is what we're supposed to do and let God give the increase. Uh, to the family that's here, some of you, Al and I have been with many, many times and had wonderful times together. Some of you, we've only been together a few times. And maybe you were small and don't even remember it. And there are also some here that we have never physically been together. But I want you to know that he loved you all. And he wasn't tech savvy, so he didn't do Facebook. But he had a face wall. <laughs> and every place we moved, he had a face wall. And, and I would print out pictures that people would put on the, um, on Facebook. And he would scotch tape them up on the wall, or duct tape them up on the wall, whatever. And every morning he would get up early in the morning, before me, because I, I like to sleep in. And he would go in whatever room the face wall was in. And he would sit there and he would pray and pray and pray. Because I had your name under each picture. Because he couldn't remember it. A few of a few of the grandchildren really looked like twins, and sometimes I couldn't even tell them apart. But he would pray for all of you. So just know that he really loved you, and let your cousins and siblings and, and other relatives know that even though they didn't know Grandpa, he loved you and he prayed for you. Um, also, one thing that uh, in Pastor Billy's message. About Wednesday night, we would go to Wednesday night Bible study, and the scripture would be read, and 
Al had a habit of reading that and then he would be thumbing through beyond that scripture. And he would mention something that was maybe in the same chapter, or but it wasn't what we were discussing. And he raised his hand and Pastor Billy would call on him. Yes, Pastor Al. And Al would say, oh, you know, I was just reading the scripture and he would read it. Pastor Billy said, now you're getting ahead of me. That's for next week. And so I eventually told him he better stop doing that and Pastor Billy won't call on me. Anyway, uh, I just thank you for being here and I want you to know that there is a guest book to sign in the back. Uh, I'm sorry we were late. There's a guest book there. If you would please sign your name and address. And uh, um, I'm sorry there's no reception, but because of COVID, we just decided that we, we wouldn't do that this time. But um, anyway, again, I love to all of you and just keep that in your hearts. Christ 
in him. So, as I woke up this morning, this morning, and, and pondering these circumstances, watching the dark night yield to the radiance of the sun this morning, the darkness faded, but the sun rose as it is purposed to do. It was shining brightly and is declaring the creation and the creator is giving its light and its warmth. As I sat there this morning reading and praying and even crying, my heart with you all, my prayers with you all, and I texted my boss to let him know because we had had conversations. And he said, I can't even imagine. And I don't know what to say. I didn't know what to say. And that's what I said. I, I don't even really know what to say. All I can do is point them to Christ. And then as I'm sitting in my chair and, and realizing the sun is shining brightly. It is purposed. It is meant to be. God is sovereign. All I can do is point to Christ. Would I do anything else? Would any of us? Would I do anything else? But point to Christ. And as I continued sitting there and mourning and grieving as we should, and I was thinking, what, what would Al say to me? I knew him a little bit, and I do remember, and there was two pictures that came across as we were looking. One of them was y'all switching, I saw that. And the other one was him sitting there with his hand up at a table and there was others in the room and I know that feeling as a Bible teacher and he being in the room and his head going up and me thinking what did I say? And then what is he going to say? <laughs> and he would always share something in the scripture whether he was ahead or behind it didn't matter. He was where he was and we were just blessed to be there and I loved it. It scared me. It did. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you a lot. It scared me. It, and I, but I loved it. And it was good for me. And I'm thinking, what, what would my brother say to me? What would he say to us? And I'm crying and thinking. And then it came to me. Because he's with Christ in heaven. Why are you crying for me? Why are you crying for me? I'm with the Lord. I'm in the presence of the Lord. I'm clothed in his righteousness. In his radiance. Grieve for a time. And it is good. But don't cry for me. 
because I'm in heaven with the Lord. Our God is the same today as he was yesterday and will be tomorrow. His great love for you is no more and no less than it ever was. He is unchanging. His glory is as great now as it will be forever. From eternity, his great love and grace was made manifest in his son, Christ Jesus, through his infinite knowledge and wisdom. And in unity, his great counsel determined his love for his people. We are adopted into his family and sealed by his own blood through the sacrifice of the only begotten. Sometimes we wonder if we've been given more than we can bear. His word tells us he won't give us more than we can bear. And we trust his word because his word is true. Why? We may ask. To draw us nearer. To know him in a deeper and greater way. How? We may ask. Because he bears it with us and gives us his great love and grace and mercy. Our hearts cry out, Abba, Father, and we have no words that we can say, but he has given us a comforter, and he already knows our hearts. Our mediator is acquainted with sorrow and grief. We also have one another with kindred hearts and spirits to mourn with one another. Some people may grieve longer or shorter periods, but be gracious with one another and lean on each other through difficult days that will come. We may grieve for a time, but we mustn't dwell there forever because we should remember our loved ones are in heaven in the presence of a holy, just, and righteous heavenly Father who loved us so much he gave us his only begotten Son. There is where true peace dwells. There is where true love dwells. So we look forward to the day where all of our tears will be wiped away and we are in the very we are in the very presence of God Himself. He has said so, and so it shall be. Believe in Him, hope in Him, trust in Him. I also have a scripture, the one I was mentioning. It's in John 13, verses 5. This may seem like it's out of place, but bear with me. In John 13, 5, it says, Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he was dirty. So he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Peter 
I've seen traits and characteristics in my brother Al that I saw here, a humbleness and a humility. It puts me in mind of this lesson, and it's a hard lesson sometimes, and I think my brother had figured it out, and he would want you to know. Like Peter, as younger men, sometimes we get in our own way. But after the Lord has touched you and put a new spirit in you, your perspective changes. Here, in a matter of seconds, Peter comes to grips with humility and grace. These are the traits that I saw in my friend. Peter, at first, he puts his own will out there on full display, being bold and even brash. Our Lord, with a few well-meant words, touched his heart and put a new perspective in Peter's life. If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Peter now knows that he needs something he cannot do himself. He now knows that all of him needs to be washed. All. He humbly submits to the Lord. You see, this, this is the lesson that I think Alan wants to know. to wait on and submit to the, to the divine and sovereign will of God. To wait on the Lord and submit to the Lord's sovereign and divine will. This is a life lesson which will carry us through a lifetime of things that will happen outside of our Now, our wills can be made just like the Lord's. The things that I remember about him were his smile. I love to smile. We've heard much about it. Infectious. His smile and his joy, and he seemed happy. He was grateful. And he loved you all. It was evident by the way that he acted around you. And it was most evident in the way that he prayed for you. And that I hope I'll never forget. He prayed so honestly and so openly about each of you. Pouring his heart out. He, he thanked God for his wife, Linda. He prayed that and was thankful for his children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, praying for their needs, but most importantly for their salvation and their relationship with God. To hear a man pour out his heart to a holy God with a grateful heart and sincere for their good in accordance with what God would want for their good. It touches my heart so, 
And the reason is because God himself has given us a kindred spirit. A spirit fashioned like his own, rooted in grace and truth. Oh, how he loved God's word. And it showed in his speech, in his conversation of life, and how he walked in Christ. And he always gave glory to God. As I pondered and thought about it, I have a picture in my mind of him standing in heaven. He's in the presence of Christ. And he has a big smile on his face. But he's pointing towards Christ with both hands. Pointing towards Christ. That's what he did. And that's what I want to remember him pointing to Christ. Pointing us all Christ. The last thing saying these things for a while. There's no true unity apart from Christ. There's no true peace apart from Christ. One thing I wanted to add. We should know this. There's also no true joy apart from Christ. And now he has all of it. God bless. Let's pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we praise you. We thank you for this day. You have given us a time that we can come together here, and we do grieve and we mourn. We will miss our brother. It's been such a good thing to be able to share a life with those you love. It is as you have intended. It is from your own mind, from an eternity, that our own families, that we could be made like Christ, be sanctified through the Word, your Word is truth, to hear his family pour out what he was led to put in them by you, O God. We thank you for his life. We thank you for what he has done, how he has shared and cared for all of us. We know these things are not from this world, but from you. And we are thankful. As we go throughout the rest of our day, let us be mindful of the many blessings that you give us each and every day, that we would be reminded and we would remember that it is from you, it is from your hand, your purpose, your sustenance is good, your provisions are good. I pray that you will be with those that are traveling, that you would keep them safe as they go. Let them to remember, help them to remember today, our pointing to Christ, as we have heard in the good news preached and in sharing the things that we have heard, that we take it with us and we remember our blessings and we count them. We know it is from you. 
I pray a special blessing on the family as they go through these days, that they will be there for one another, that we can also be there and available for any needs, that we do bear one another's burdens, and we mourn when our loved ones mourn, but you have not left us in a state of death, Lord. You've given us life and life everlasting. And we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.